If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, and in a moment, we're going to be looking at verse 20, 1 John 2, 20. As you're turning there, I want you to repeat this after me. I declare that sonship is my anointing. Come on, let's say that again. Let's say it loud. I declare that sonship is my anointing. I have supernatural restoration. Whatever has been lost is found. I have supernatural progress. What used to take years has now been accelerated in my life. I have supernatural favor. Things are given to me that I didn't even seek. I have supernatural change of status. Promotion and favor are in my life. This is all because I know, I know, I know my God and sonship is my anointing. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise for that. That's directly connected to the word that uh, our man of God, Dr. Dollar, shared um, over New Year's. And I just want to constantly keep that before you. Because when the prophet speaks, it's important that the people hear what was shared and allow that to govern their life. It's so easy to hear a prophetic word like that and then to put it behind everything else that you're learning throughout the year. Uh, but that should always be at the forefront. Sonship is our anointing. That's why the title of this part of this series has been, Where Are You? Because when, at the end of this series, you should say, when I say, where are you, you should be th saying things like, I'm with God. I'm in my sonship. I'm walking in my anointing. Where am I? I, I I'm a believer of the word. Those should be the things that should be leaping out of, your, out of your mouth and out of your spirit as we continue to walk through this series. Because uh, when Adam and Eve were, were in the garden and God came in, or the voice of God came in as the person of God and said, you know, Adam, where art thou? He wasn't saying physically, where are you at? He was saying, where are you? You're no longer walking in that anointing. You've had a change of position. Where you once were, where I left you, you're no longer there. And that's what happens in the body of Christ. The enemy tries to move us off of what God said. His goal is to get you out of your sonship. Because if he can get you out of your sonship, then he can get you away from the manifestation of grace in your life. And I'm here today to tell you that the devil has lost. The devil has lost and you've been found. You, you, you've been located, amen? I believe many of you all this, uh, all this month uh, or the month of January and now as we move into February, you've been locating yourself. You know that fast that we continued on? It, it wasn't, as we always said, it wasn't to get God to do anything. God's done everything. It was to get you to locate yourself on are you believing God or not? Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in things? Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in money? Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in uh, uh, food uh, or, or, or things of the flesh? Many people fasted different things because they were locating themselves and learning how to trust God over stuff. 
Because if we don't learn how to trust God over stuff, stuff will govern our life. We will find ourselves being what we call carnal Christians. And that's just a Christian who is led by their senses instead of by the voice and the word of God. But that's not you, amen? So what is your anointing? Sonship. What is your anointing? Sonship. And, and what is anointing anyway? Anointing is power. It's the ability to get results. Anointing is power. It's the ability to get results. And so I declare over your life, all this year, you're just walking in your anointing. I declare all this year, you're getting results after results. Not because of what you're going to do, but because of who you are and who you know. Amen? Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. Your father is love, according to 1 John 4, 8, right? And therefore, he has made all that Jesus has done available to you, regardless of what you do. God is concerned about who you are. God is concerned about if you believe who you are. And if you believe who you are, you will be believing whose you are, and you will believe where you are at in him. I'll say that again if I can. <laughs> if you believe who you are, who, who are you? Sons and daughters of God. Then you will believe whose you are. Whose are you? You're God's. And so you will believe where you are in relationship to him. I am the righteousness of God. I am right with God. And if you believe that, then you can call yourself a believer. And as a believer, there is nothing withheld from you in the kingdom of God. And that's how sonship is our anointing. I know I said a whole lot in that, but I want you to, I want you to get that. And we're just going to keep eating on that and digging into that because I see the day coming to where sickness tries to enter into your life and you stand up and say, no, I'm a son. No, I'm a daughter. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I see the day where poverty tries to come and knock on your door uh, through a lie of the enemy. And I see you saying, no, I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. My God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. I have the wisdom of God. And this too shall pass. Well, what am I doing? I I'm speaking the word. You're going you're gonna to know the word so well that when any situation tries to come up, the word of God will just come out of you. But this will all be based on the foundation of I know who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I know whose I am of God. And I know where I'm at. I'm the righteousness of God. Amen? Amen. So we want to continue on with um, where are you because we're, we're about to finish up this part of this series of locating ourselves. And I hope this has been blessing you. I hope you've been able to kind of hear the word and kind of figure out where your thinking may need to adjust or change or, or where you're good and you just need to continue to strengthen and walk the way you are. Um, here's the thing I want to start off by saying before we look at John. As I know the person, God, the promises will be easy to believe. That's where we left off uh, last Wednesday, and that was one of the final statements I made, was we, we, we want to focus on the promises of God, amen? 
The word is full of the promises of God, but but Holy Spirit told me, he said, many people are struggling to believe my promises or my word because they still don't fully trust the person I am. I remember, I think it was Moses was talking to God and, and, you know, and he was like, you know, God, I can't do this and I can't do that, but what, you know, and I can't speak. And, and when I go to speak, who should I tell him sent me? And what did God say? I am. He is, period. He is all that you need. He is love. He is your protection. He is your provision. He is your defender. He is your rescuer. He is your provider. He is. And you need to just put a period at the end of that in your mind. There is nothing else I need because I am is in my life. And the believer believes that, and the believer stands on that, and the believer doesn't allow anything to get them off of that. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. And as I know he is, then when I read his promises in the word, I believe him. When he says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed, then that just is what it is. When he says that I have an abundance and no lack, when he says that I am blessed and not cursed, I simply believe it because I know he is. The question you got to start off asking yourself tonight is, who is God to you? I mean, really, who is God to you? Is God just um, somebody that's there only when you call him? See, that's what I used to believe. I used to think that God only responds when we call him. But if we don't call on the name of the Lord, then, hey, that's why things ain't working out in your life. So if you want things to happen in your life, guess what? You better call on him. Well, surely that's, that's definitely in the word, and it's okay to call on God. But how many guys know that God is there whether you call him or not? Amen. I say God is there whether you, whether you call him or not. Amen. Think about it just from a human standpoint. I got a son and a daughter and two daughters. And whether they call me or not, I'm always paying attention. Whether they call me or not and say, Dad, I need some money. How many of you guys know I'm checking their bank account on a regular basis anyway? (laughs) Amen? Amen. When they go out, I take a look at the account, and I'll check it out before they even ask. And a lot of times I put money in there before they ask. Why? Because I love them. And I'm not, I don't want to necessarily send them out there without what they need. And if me, being an earthly father, knows how to be proactive like that, how proactive do you think God is in your life? Your father is a proactive father. He was so proactive in your life that he provided Jesus for you. He was so proactive in your life that he set up the covenant of grace and the gospel of grace for your life. And you have everything you need. But you need to now determine and make up your mind, who is God to me? Because I tell you what, God is my everything. I said God is my everything. God is not just my healer. God is not just my provider. God is my friend. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? Wasn't it? He, said, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because sometimes you just need a good friend. Yeah. 
Sometimes you can't talk to the kids, and sometimes you can't talk to the spouse, and sometimes you, you ain't got nobody else but your friend to talk to. Did you know God is, is, a, is a friend? Sometimes you need an advocate, somebody to stand up for you. Anybody ever, ever needed somebody to stand up for you? That's what the word says, that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. I mean, literally, we could go down the line. God is everything that you need. You got to answer the question, though, who is he to me? Because once you locate who he is to you, then you can get about, be, be about the business of letting him be everything. Because I'm telling you, I examined my own life, and I found out that God was only some things to me. Instead of him being everything, he was almost everything. There were still some things I, I was providing for myself. I found out that he wasn't fully my security, that I had some insecurities, and, and I was still trying to be some things for myself. I found out that I was trying to let, make my wife some things that only God can be. I found out that I was trying to let the anointing or the job that God has called me to be some things. And I had to realize, no, he has to be everything. Because when I try to make the wife those things or the job those things or you guys those things, then all of a sudden I put, I'm putting pressure on things that is supposed to be placed on the shoulders of Jesus. And when you don't let God be everything in your life and you start putting that pressure on other people or on other things, those things can't bear that burden. And so all of a sudden, your relationships begin to crumble. All of a sudden, your, your job begins to, to go a little weird. All of a sudden, things aren't working out well with your kids, all because I didn't locate myself in finding out that, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I need to let God be all that he's supposed to be to me. Well, how, how do I do that? Well, that's what we want to talk about today, because we do that by knowing and having a relationship with him. Amen. So here's the first thing I got to do. If I want to get to know the promises of God, uh, sorry, the person of God, the first thing I got to do is I have to know the word. I have to know the word. Now, this is going to be some good, simple stuff tonight, but you know what? Some of the simplest stuff is some of the most powerful. Because I used to think there was all these 17 steps to, to knowing God, and it was just like I, I started actually reading the Bible and realized, oh, this is so simple. It's so simple to know God, but, but we praise God for the ability to learn how to know him. First thing is you got to just know the word. I have to have a relationship with the word of God. Go with me to uh, first John, where you already should be in First John, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 20, and we'll read 21, then we'll skip down to 26 to 29. So it says, but ye have an unction from who? The Holy One, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. And when I have an unction from the Holy One, what's the result? Now, now we, 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 we can kick this podium over and run out of here based on that alone. When I have an unction from the Holy One, there is nothing I don't know. What do you need to know? What's going on in your life that you got a question mark for? The Bible says when you have an unction from the Holy One, you know all things. Verse 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Verse 26. These things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Uh, verse 27. 
but the anointing which you have received of him, talking about of God, abideth where? In you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things. And is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, some people take this scripture right here and they say, oh, see, that's why I don't need to go to church. No man needs to teach me anything. Well, that's not fully true. That's not what the scripture is saying. If you read all of this in context, what was actually happening was where there were false prophets and false preachers and teachers, and what they were doing was leading the children of God astray. And they were saying, and, and, and the, uh, John was writing and saying, listen, the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. And you know the truth. So you don't need these guys to teach you lies and stuff like that because the word is on the inside of you. And when you hear the word, you'll know the word because it's on the inside of you. If you understand that, say amen. amen. You ever sat in something and you, somebody get to teach you something and you'd be like, mm, that's not in the Bible. Because, you know, sometimes people can get to talking and then they never take you to the scripture and show you the backing of what they're saying. Be, be very weary of anybody who preaches an entire message and never shares one scripture. I mean, not one. I'm not saying people won't be able to quote, you know, some people, uh, who was it? Um, oh, Mike Murdoch. Man, he used to sit and he could quote scriptures like that. He, he would memorize his entire messages. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who just be saying stuff that sound like the word, but it ain't the word. And that's what was going on here. People were not teaching the truth. And he said, listen, you got the truth on the inside of you because you got the Holy Ghost. Verse 28. He says, and now, little children, do what? Abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I have confidence because I got the Holy Ghost. There is no shame. Why? Because I got the Holy Ghost. Uh, verse 29 says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteous is born of him. So we know the truth because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us teaching us the truth. He teaches us the truth and he teaches us how to think. He teaches us the truth and he teaches us how to think. Even as I teach, and that's why it's important you go to a church with a spirit-led pastor. Amen. Because this isn't Archie teaching you. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through me to you. Amen? Amen. I, I, I literally, I, I was talking to somebody today in our, in our offices about how even we make decisions here at World Changers Church Houston that there is no thing that I ask anybody to do that hadn't been prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds weird, but that's literally how I live my life and that's how we run this church. I mean, down to the, hey, let's call a meeting, or hey, buy that, or hey, don't do that, or hey, fix this. It's literally all spirit-led. Because I 100% believe that when we totally give our lives over to the Holy Ghost, the leading of God, the voice of God, when we totally give our lives over to him, he will tell you every single day and every single minute what steps to take. And the moment you take over the driving uh, or the steering wheel, you are now playing, I, best, best way I can say it is Russian roulette with your life. 
Because you don't see things to come. Only the Holy Spirit knows. You don't know all things. Only he knows. So there's not a word that I will dare say that's not Holy Spirit led. Sometimes you'll hear even Dr. Dollar do that, and, I, and we do sometimes the same thing here where you see us kind of pausing. I remember Dr. Dollar used to do it all the time. I'll say that. <laughs> it's because the whole time you're preaching, you're, you're hearing the Holy Ghost on the inside. And he's saying, say this, and he's saying, say that, and I'll read that scripture. And what's really, really, really weird sometimes is you'll be preaching, and you'll be getting revelation from the Holy Ghost while you're preaching. And you're literally, I wish you guys could understand, it's like, I'll be sitting up here trying to contain myself. And I don't get to screaming and hollering a whole lot anyway. But like on the inside, like right now on the inside, I am screaming to the top of my lungs. Because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is just on you and, and, you, and, and you're, it's almost like your flesh can't, can't contain it. And, and, but you got you to keep them emotions down so that you can get the word out. And I'm telling you, you want to be in a place that's spirit-led, not a place that's flesh-led, not a place that's trying to entertain. It's for somebody. Not, not in a place that it might be for somebody on the stream. Not in a place that's trying to entertain you. Amen? I remember when I went to um, school at Oral Roberts University, um, and we had a class called Practice Preaching. And the Practice Preaching class, thank God, was not to teach you how to hoop and holler. But it was to teach you how to rightly divide the word and how to share that word in very specific manners. And we had some people in the class that would get up there, man, and they can, they could, you could tell they came from certain denominational churches. And man, they can hoop and holler and everybody was feeling good, but at the end of the class, their grades weren't so good. Why? Because while they performed well, they didn't minister much. And the whole goal of the class was to teach you how to take a scripture or take a set of scriptures and make sure you got the truth of God's word out of that scripture based on the Holy Ghost and minister that to the people. And some of the most effective messages were some of the shortest ones that got to a specific point. And those were the ones that people remember. Why? Because they were spirit-led. So we, we, we want to make sure that the Holy Ghost is leading the way in everything. Amen? And he's teaching us how to think. All right, uh, let's go with me to Proverbs 23, 7. How we think is one of the most important things to being successful as a believer. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, what happens? So is he. So I am as I what? I am as I what? So if I think God is a mean God, then I will have actions that line up with that. I'll, 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 I'll look like Adam and Eve when God showed up in the garden. I'll be scared of love. I won't allow love to impact my life. And you know, that happens to people today. How, how deceiving is it of the enemy to try to get you to not trust love? To get you to run from love? Because you think you're not worthy of love. Well, I'm here to tell you today that God is love and you're worthy of love. I'll say that again. God is love and you are worthy of love. But you don't know what I've done. God is love and you're worthy of love. 
make up your mind that I'm the righteousness of God. Now, you're not worthy of love because of what you've done. You're worthy of love because of what Jesus has done. Jesus qualifies you for unconditional, unfailing, never-ending love. Only because he loves you. We, we have to get to the point that we peel away all the other gunk and all the other stuff. And we have to get down to the layer that says there is nothing else left but the simple fact that all is well in my life because God is so doggone good. All is well in my life because he's love and he just does not have it in him to be mad at me. He's love and he just does not have it in him to punish me. He's love and he just does not have it in him to fail me. He's love and he just does not have it in him. Love doesn't have it in love to be mean to me. That's the truth. And Jesus came, and the Holy Spirit is constantly right now reminding us of that truth. And as I think on that, so will I be. As I believe that, so will it be in my life. I am all good. Say that with me. I am all good, am all good. because God loves me. And see, it's good we say it in church, but now you're going to have to be able to say that when you get out of here. You're going to have to be able to say that when you go back home into everyday life and everyday living and, and hell tries to release itself on your life. And what will hold back and beat back the enemy is the truth of what you know, that I am good because God loves me. Wait a minute, don't I have to put on the whole armor? That is the whole armor. The whole armor is that God loves you. It all points back to salvation. It all points back to the victory that Jesus has already won for you. And you are clothing yourself with the truth and the fact and the knowledge that God loves me. I got the helmet of salvation on. Why? Because my mind has to be covered with the fact that all is well. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am delivered. Why? Because God loves me. I got the righteous blessed breastplate. What's a righteous breastplate? That's just the fact that I'm covered with my heart with the truth that I am right with God. Why? Because God loves me. The girdle of truth. What's the truth? God loves me. And all is well. The shield of faith. Well, what am I having faith in? The fact that God loves me <laughs> and Jesus died for me. My feet are shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's the gospel of peace? Well, that's the gospel of grace. What does the gospel of grace say? God <laughs> unconditionally loves us and has saved us. 
Taking up the sword of the Spirit. What's the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. Who is God? Who is the Word? God is the Word. The Word is love. And it's all for who? The, the whole armor clothes you in the fact. Offensively and defensively with the love of God. And if you can know that and take solace in that, then every single day of your life, you're walking in victory already in your mind. And as you think in your heart, so are you. Now you're speaking it. Because everything within you comes from this foundation that God loves me. It's kind of like, the, the, the best way I can describe it right now is it's kind of like with diff, different ethnicities. Hispanic folk, you know, they, they, they know they're Hispanic and they're proud of being Hispanic and everything like that. And there are certain things that are just like, that's just how we are. Black folk, we, we a certain way and, and there are certain things we do in certain ways we talk and certain ways we act on certain things. Why? Because that's just who we are. And we take confidence in that and we, we're excited about that and that's what we know. So what we know is how we are. It's how we talk. It's how we live. It's how we think. And a lot of that comes from the culture of what we believe. Where there is a Christ culture that we got to get to know. And it is a culture of love. And how you talk, and how you act, and how you live, and how you walk is all based from this culture of knowing God and knowing who he is and letting that permeate everything you do. And even if you want it to be another way, you just can't be that way because that's just not how you are. You ever seen somebody try to be like another ethnicity that they're not? It looks weird, doesn't it? And that's how it looks when a Christian is trying to be carnal and that it's just not who you are. And, and why? Because, because you're a child of God and you've got the culture of Christ and, 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 and he's on the inside of you, but because you don't fully know who you are, it looks kind of weird because you're stuck in between these two cultures. And so there's, that, there's this identity crisis going on, and we got to get to know God, who is love, so we can come back into the right, rightness of who we are and literally think that way so we can live that way. How we talk, how we walk, it, it should just 100% be based on the simple fact that I know God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And all is well in my, not, in my life. Not because I did anything, but because Jesus did everything. And there is nothing I can do to mess that up. I said, there's nothing I can do to mess that up. This is for somebody today, the way this is coming up. There's nothing you can do to mess it up. Jesus has laid this whole thing out for you. You are born again. And that's some good news. If you believe that, say Amen. So you got to believe this thing. Go to, go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, go to the uh, easy to read version on this. It says, so I beg you. 
And that's almost what I'm doing right now. I'm just like, I, I beg you to get this. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy that God has shown us, offer your lives, that, that, that denotes that this is our choice now, right? This is our choice now. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Considering that, what do you consider things in your mind? What do you choose to make your body an offering in your mind? Considering what he has done, it is only right that you should worship him in this way. When you offer your body, when you offer your finances, when you do all of those things, we call it worship. That's why we say praise is a time of worship. Even you coming to church, you come to a worship service. When you sow tithes and offering, it is a form of worship. Anything that you do with your body for him is worship. And it's saying we do that considering what he has done. We don't do that because the law tells us to. We do that considering what he has done. It's a sacrifice to come to church on Wednesday night. It's a sacrifice to come to church on Sundays. You got to pay for gas. You got to get up. You got to get yourself together. Uh, you got to just do all these things. And you could just think of yourself and stay at home, couldn't you? It's a sacrifice to sow. It's a sacrifice to praise. But we do those things considering what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him this way. Verse 2, don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world. The people of this world consider themselves and they don't consider the mercy of God. How do I keep myself from being like the world? It says, let God change you inside. Let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Say, I have a new way of thinking. Now, as we think, so are we, correct? As we think, so are we, correct? So if I have a new way of thinking, then, I have, then now I have a new way of being. But how do I get a new way of thinking? Let God change you. How do I get a new way of thinking? But God going to change me on the outside first. Oh, no, I got to change the way I dress first, right? I got to change my makeup first, right? I got to go on a long diet and fast first, right? No, 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 because that's what I was told, that if I'm going to go to this church, then I got to have it all together, right? No, 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 he says, come as you are and let me change you from the inside, starting with your mind. He said, all you got to do is choose to show up. Amen. All you got to do is choose to allow him. Or we call that believe. And when I believe and show up, then he starts changing me on the inside, starting with my thinking. He gives me a new way of thinking. And then I'm able to understand. I don't, I don't know the word. I, I try to read it every time, but I fall asleep. I don't understand what it's saying. Just give it a minute. The promises of God is that you will understand. You ought to decree and declare every time you open up that Bible and want to spend time with God's word because this is the first really step in knowing him is knowing the word. 
I declare and decree in Jesus' name that I'm going to sit down and read this word, and I thank you, Lord, for understanding. You promised to give me understanding. He says, then you will be able to understand and accept. This, is, this, this line is so important. It's not only about understanding the word, but now I have to accept God's will for my life. We're talking about getting to know God. Many people have read the word and not understood it, and then some people understand it, and it freaks them out because now they start clearly understanding what God is telling them to do. God, you want me to do what? God, you want me to step out and join what department? God, you want me to start preaching? God, you want me to, to, to do what? Because he's going to tell you now, here's, go back real quick to verse 1. He's going to instruct you, and he's going to give you some ways to offer your life up as a living sacrifice. The more you understand his word, you're going to understand his will for your life, and he's going to put up for you some sacrificial choices. Not still your choice. So people, some people, they, they start learning the word, and they start feeling good, like, oh, I get this. My eyes are being opened. And then they stop. Because they get scared because now they clearly start seeing what God is telling them to do. Sow this in church next week. What? Lord, wait, wait, I got to wait till the tax check come. I can't do that right now. And he'll say, no, no, no. Understand my word and then accept. Go back to verse 2. And accept what God wants for you. How many of you guys know what God wants for you is always good? I said what God wants for you is always good. He says you will, that's a promise, you will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. I want to not only know but live in God's perfect will for my life. But I got to be willing to allow him to start changing my thinking. And then I have to be willing to know and to accept what he wants for my life. And when I know and accept what he wants for my life, then doing the sacrificial things that he may ask me to do will be simple. Why? Because I know him. And I know what he wants for me is good. And I trust him. So now I'm going to do what he says to do because I know that he loves me whether I do it or not. But as I sit and consider what he's done for me, as I, can sit, as, as I sit and consider the cross, as I sit and consider his unconditional love for me, it then becomes the basic reasonable service for me to sacrifice for him. He's not asking me to get up on the cross. He's not asking for everything. My God, Abraham only gave 10%. God's not asking for it all. He's just asking for something that's reasonable. Can anybody be reasonable with God on tonight? He's saying, I gave you everything, and you don't have to give me nothing. I, I love you so much that if you didn't give me a thing, I still love you. But I have a perfect way for you. Do you, you, do you want to just stay in this other way, or do you want to get in the perfect will of God for your life? I'm talking about this year getting into that perfect place. You ever seen somebody put a picture on a wall and it's in a good position, but, but you look at it and say, that's just not right, but then they get it right in that right place and it's like, that's perfect. 
Some of us, we're just kind of just slightly off. Just slightly off. And, 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 and we're trying to work things out in our, on ourselves, and you need to let it go, and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you on the inside. And he'll help you get into that perfect position. Amen? Go with me to, yeah, for the sake of time, yeah, let's go, to, let's go to John 1. John 1, verse 1. And then we're going to kind of skip around in here. And we can stay in the easy-to-read version. So if, first thing I'm going to do, if I'm going to know God, I've got to know the what? I've got to know the Word. I've got to know the Word. God, I thought we were going to get to these other two. I'm going to give you these, and we'll just pick up on them on tomorrow night, and then we'll pick up on them on Sunday as well. Somebody say tomorrow night? Absolutely, man. We got our first uh, community group in the South tomorrow night. We're going to be there preaching live, and so we're going to pick this up, and we're going to run with that. Yes. Amen. Got a new spot we're meeting at in, in a hotel conference room, and we're going to just blow up the south side of Houston, man. We're going to have a good time. And then on Sunday, we'll keep picking it up. But uh, I will read the scripture in a minute, but just so you have it for your notes. Uh, number one was I got to know God. Number two is I got to know Jesus. And number three is I have to know his voice, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the word, Jesus, the Holy Ghost. You, you know, if, if you know them, you know him. Because he is all of them. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus is the perfect expression of God. We know the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. And if I know them, I know him. Let's, but let's keep looking at the word. Uh, John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, before the world began, what was there? That's how important and powerful the word of God is. We just look at the word as the Bible. It's like, oh, that's cool. That's the Bible. But now let me figure out something else in trying to know God. No, no, no. This, this, the word is, is it's it. <laughs> Before the world began, the word was there. The word was with God, and the word what? Was God. Verse 4. In him there was what? Life. In God there is life, in the word there is life. If I want to have life, what do I need to have? The word. Can I have life apart from the word? Can I have the word without having life? Think about it. No, it's not a trick question. The answer is still the same, but I want you to really think about that. <laughs> when I get in the word, I will have life. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now, it's boring to people because I got to read. It's boring to people sometimes because I got to study. It's boring to people because I got to kind of, you know, spend some time and break this down. But you, I'll, I'll, I'll share something with you guys very briefly because it's, it's a brief point. As I began to get deeper and deeper into the word years ago, it actually became scary for me because of the amount of revelation that was constantly jumping out at me. And it, and it literally was overtaking me like, like literal waves. I don't know if you've ever been out in the ocean versus a lake or something like that. But when, that, when the tide really gets to going, it's like wave after wave after wave, and it becomes so much that you just got to get out. 
And, and literally, I remember sitting, I was studying, and man, it was, it was like wave after wave. And it was like almost I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh, I got, whoa, that's just, it was just so much revelation. I'm telling y'all, the word is rich. The word's not boring. What makes it boring is when you go into reading it trying to make something happen. When you go into reading it and studying it with a lawful mind, saying, I have to spend time doing this so I can get something out of it. It's like we said uh, the other day about having a relationship with God. A relationship is not to be achieved, it's just to be enjoyed. This word is to be enjoyed. This is God. And when you get into it, know that you are getting into him. When you're getting into the word, know that you are getting into life. It says, in him there was life, and that life was the light for the people of the world. Psalms 119, 105 says that. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But, you know, again, don't let the enemy trick you to run from the word when things get dark. That's what Adam and Eve did. Stuff messed up. While their eyes were open, what really happened was things got dark. And what did they do? They ran from the word. They ran from God. They ran from, as the scripture says, his voice was walking in the garden. His voice is his word. Don't run from the word, run towards the word. Amen? Uh, verse 10. And we're going to go all the way up to 14. It says, the word was already in the world. The world was made through him. But the world did not know him. Now think about that. The word was already in the world. The world was made through him. Who is him? The word, who is God. But the world did not know him. If the world didn't know God and God is the word, then is it fair to say that the world did not know the word? And that's the issue today. Many people don't know the word and therefore they don't know God. And that's why I said the number one way to get to know God is start to know his word. Don't make the same mistake people have been making since the beginning of time. By not knowing the word, they don't know him. He's on the inside of us. And it's so crazy that he could be so close, yet his voice so far. And the word and knowing the word is the connecting and missing piece to knowing him. Verse 11. He came to the world that was his own. And his own people did not accept him. Why did they not accept him? Because they didn't really know the word. Verse 12. But some people did accept him. How do you know they accept him? Check this next part out. They believed in him. That's how I know I accept the word. That's how I know I accept God, because I simply believe him. God says I am, I say I believe you. God says I'm healed, I said I believe you. God says all is well, I say I believe you. I accept your will and what you want for my life. Isn't that what Romans 12, 1 and 2 said? Accept what God wants for your life. Believe him. Preachers are just preaching, believe God. Well, that's what we should be preaching. <laughs> the gospel of grace is for you, believe it. Accept it, receive it. But that's not what a lot of people want to hear. What people really want to hear is, you tell me how to get it. And I'm telling you, you got it. And you're saying, but I don't see it. And I'm saying, because you don't believe it. When you believe it, you'll see it, and you'll know you got it. But you got to know you got it before you see it, and that shows that you believe it. 
Do you believe it? Now y'all don't believe it. Y'all don't believe it. Do you believe it? Oh. We're not doing church tonight. We are the church. Do you believe it? Then what is it you're believing for? You got it. Whatever you're believing for, your sonship is your anointing. You got it. Whatever it is you're looking for, you got it. They believed in him, and he gave them the right. You have the right not to become. You already have made the decision. You are children of God. This was written when people were still trying to become children of God. This was written before Jesus had, had gone home to be, uh, not gone home to be, but before he had ascended into heaven. This was people trying to get what you got. I said this was people trying to get what you got. You have the full measure on the inside of you right now. You have the full measure of faith. You have the full measure of healing. Grace is yours. Prosperity is all yours. You're saved. You're safe. Everything is well in your life. And, and, and if you get that, there is no way in the world that you can contain it right now. And there's a dying and hurting world out there that is looking for the manifestations of the sons of God. They're looking for men and women who are, who are believers who can stand up and say, I have a right and you have a right and the devil is a liar and he's defeated in your life and everything is good in your life. Why? Because God loves you and I know him and I need you to get to know him too. God's not hiding from you. God's not running from you. God loves you. He gave you all of this, and he gave you all of Jesus, and he gave you all of the Holy Ghost just to make sure that you are taken care of and knowing that he loves you. Your part is only to believe in him. That's your part. It's to believe. Go to Romans um, 10. Romans 10, verse 17. We'll, we'll end here. Because if I don't end here, I ain't going to end. <laughs> Romans 10, 17. So, faith comes from hearing the good news. What's the good news? It's the gospel of grace. That's the fact that God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. That's, that's the fact that I don't deserve his goodness. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve his righteousness, but I got it. And faith comes from hearing. Everybody say hearing. And people hear the good news when somebody tells them about Christ. When you hear about Christ and what he's done, you've heard the good news. And when you hear the good news, faith begins to be built. Verse 18. But I ask, did those people not hear the good news? Yes, they heard, as the scriptures say. Their voices, talking about preachers and ministers, their voices went out all around the world. Their words went everywhere in the world, Psalms 19.4 says. Verse 19, again I ask, did the people of Israel not understand? Yes, they did understand. First Moses says this for God. 
I will use those who are not really a nation to make you jealous. I will use a nation that does not understand to make you angry. Deuteronomy 32, 21. And it's referring to back when the children of Israel had an opportunity to hear, but, but they didn't hear. But you and me, you're hearing right now. And the question is, will you believe? Will you believe? The preacher has been standing in front of you saying, all is well. God is love. He's fixed everything in your life. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know his word? Do you believe? Because if you believe, you'll allow him to change the way you think. And once you change the way you think, it's going to change the way you live. And then when you walk out into that world and you see somebody without, the love of God is going to rise up on the inside of you. The call of God on your life is going to take over. And you will literally release the power of God into every dark situation that you see. It is time for you to wake up. The Spirit of God is saying right now, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get up. It's time for us to go out. It is time for us to stir up literally the gift that is on the inside of us. It is time for us to get out there and to do what he has called us to do. I need you to understand that this is a new day. It's a new time. It's a new place. Some of you have sat in church and said, man, it sounds like I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. That's right, because you're hearing the same war cry over and over again. And the question is, is when will you answer? When will you answer the call? When will you get fully into the fight? Stop waiting for everything to be perfect, God is saying. Stop waiting for everything to be right. He's saying literally, get in the fight. You're thinking it's going to be longer than what it is, God is saying. And it, he's saying, I'm drawing near. He's saying, I'm getting closer and closer, and you don't want to wake up and realize you've missed me. He's saying, oh, yes, I love you. And heaven is your destination. But while on earth, I have work for you. Will you trust me? Will you depend on me? He's telling me right now, there, there are people that he's placed in your path and they need him. And he wants you to bring him to them. But you got to believe him now. It's time to move past your needs. And it's time to see the needs of others. It's time to be love. It's time to allow love to operate through you. It's time to trust God. Where are you? I'm with God. I'm trusting God. I'm depending on God. No matter what it looks like, no matter what occurs, I don't want, I don't, it ain't about being flashy. It's not about anything other than, Lord, I want your perfect all this year. I want what pleases you 
for the rest of my life. I want every soul that I come in contact with to know you. I want to be your woman. I want to be your man. I want to be your person here on earth. I want to be your hands and feet. And I'll trust you with all the rest of the issues of my life. Because really there are no issues in my life because you've taken care of everything. That has to be the cry of every believer. If you understand that, say amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Oh, Father God, we thank and praise you right now. We just give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We accept victory on tonight. We accept victory on tonight. And we believe you. We will continue to get to know your word so that we will continue to know and understand the truth. Satan, you are truly defeated. Every attack that you've thrown our way has failed. And we still stand as sons and daughters of God. We will be the manifestation that God has called us to be. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, give God a hand clap of praise. Now, as we continue to worship God, you worship him with your giving. I'm not going to give you a long speech or anything like that. You, you do what's the reasonable thing. And you worship God. Don't, don't let your worship be partial. Fully trust him on tonight. And allow him to speak to you and tell you what to do. Amen? If you're uh, wanting to give by text and worship that way, it's up on the screen. And as we're preparing our gifts, I'll just go ahead and say this at the same time. If you don't know Jesus, once we've given our offerings and you want to be saved, if that's you, then come on down here to the front. If you say, I'm saved, but I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Come down here to the front. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, then I can't think of a better place than World Changers Church Houston. Come and join your home. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope, I hope you're ready for the great adventure that you've signed up for. Amen. It's going to be good. Amen. Let's raise those offerings up. Father God, I thank and praise you right now in the name of Jesus for the gifts that are being sown. These are acts of worship, acts of honor, acts of trust, acts of love. And we receive today your love as we receive your word today. And so now we sow into the kingdom. We thank you that this seed will minister the gospel of grace all around this world. We thank you that it'll minister to the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger. And we count it an honor and a privilege as your sons and daughters to be able to give of ourselves into your work. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory out and praise for the harvest that comes back from this. In Jesus' name. Ushers, you may serve the people. 
And as the offering bucket goes by, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to minister to those who are around you. Ask them if they need prayer on those three things we just said, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the joining church. If anyone would say yes, then help them come down to the front. We'll pray with and for them on tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, it looks like everybody's good in the house. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. Well, were you blessed tonight? Man, there was a different anointing on that thing tonight. I'm just going, we're just going to keep enjoying God. Amen. And what he's doing. But uh, expect miracles. Expect great things. It's, it's time. God is saying it's time. So you just, you just be ready. It's going to be a little unconventional. So I want you to be ready. And, and, and what God is showing me, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, it's just going to hit some of y'all just like that. That's why I keep saying it's like it's going to bust you in the side of your head. You're not going to even see it coming. There's going to be some unconventional supernatural miracles just taking place. And it's just going to knock you off your feet. But you're going to know it's God. You're going to know it's God. Just roll with it. And watch what God does. Amen? Amen. Raise your hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we thank and praise you for your word on tonight. We receive all that you said. And we expect great things. We believe in miracles. And we declare miracles happening in our lives. We declare you operating through us to minister supernaturally in our families, in our households, on our jobs, in our relationships, and with the strangers that you will lead us to and lead to us. We receive that on tonight. Now unto him who is able to present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, and dominion, and power, both now and forever. As we leave here, we go in grace, and we go in peace. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys so much. Have a great evening. You are dismissed.